you get off on the weird? Monsters, Halloween, horror. You've heard of word porn, car porn, earth porn. Now prepare yourself for monster porn. Is this really a good idea? Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by the backwards hat guy, Matt Cummins. Are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. Good for humans. And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood. Today's story is Blackbirds by me. Monday, Monsterbaters. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you to all the veterans out there who have served our countries. Without you, we wouldn't be able to be on air exercising our freedom of speech and making this whole world question whether or not freedom of speech is a good idea. Thank you for sacrificing in so many ways to help protect the freedoms that we hold dear. I think it is also important to remember that Memorial Day is a day in remembrance of those who have lost their lives protecting our country. Excuse me. I think it is easy to forget that the freedoms we exercise now were only achieved by those who were willing to give up everything to make sure that someone, someday, had these freedoms. Being a holiday, today's story will be a bit shorter than usual. We've all been locked up inside of our homes for months now, and this being a holiday weekend, with some states loosening up, we'd like to encourage you all to get out and enjoy the day. Go outside. Who are you kidding? Our listeners are probably a bunch of goth kids. Stay inside. Stay pale, stay sad, keep it creepy. Today's story is a Bram Stoker slash H.P. Lovecraft mashup that originally appeared on the Octoberpod VHS YouTube channel. It was my submission to Edward October's Once Upon a Time in Transylvania anthology. The theme was reinterpreting a section of Stoker's Dracula. My assignment was the climax of the book, the chase and slaying of Vlad Dracula. Everybody's contribution to the anthology turned out awesome, as did all the artwork by guest artists, including many friends of this show. So you should go check that out if you enjoy what you hear today. The link will be in the description. Before we launch into the story, we'd also like to get you signed up for our newsletter if you're not already. Monsterbaters who get in on the newsletter will get bonus content, including our forthcoming digital magazine format. You can get signed up at our website, monsterpornpodcast.com. Absolutely. We recommend that you do that. All right, then. On to the show. Boy, howdy, friends, family, and furries. You found another episode of Patrick McGannon, Paranormal Investigator. And I'm your host, Patrick McGannon, Paranormal Investigator. I'm so glad you could join me for an in-depth discussion of Jersey Devil's wardrobe choices at last VMA. So, uh, who or... Or what is this Cassiopeia? Oh, Matt, I was just trying to record an episode for my show! Yes, Patrick, you can't just leave a cliffhanger like that. Brett is creepy, but correct. Who is Cassiopeia? I... I don't know. Who is Cassiopeia? You mentioned her while in reverie remembering what happened before... Uh... Before the, uh... The the accident. Ixnay, Brett. What accident? I don't remember any accident. The accident was when God created this disappointment of a universe! Ha! 
doggy poo? What are they talking about? Don't listen to them, Patrick. It's easy to get confused when you have a primitive ape brain. I don't understand. Exactly. Puggles, I'm not going to let you derail this conversation. Patrick, who is Cassiopeia? Cassiopeia? It does sound familiar. Oh, Daisy Willikers! I, 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 I remember! I, I remember a road trip through the cornfields! I remember a monster! Oh, gosh, the daddy of all cryptids! I remember Ca- Ca- Cassiopeia! I'll tell you everything. Cassiopeia was- Puggles! Why are you lighting the curtains on fire? Bad pig! I'll get the spray bottle, Matt. I am the desolator of Amathkanath, then I will not be disciplined with a spritzer bottle. I am the void that consumes. Jesus, bad pig. Okay, Patrick, now you're going to spill it. Spill what, Maddie Matt? God damn it. He rode over Connecticut in a glass coach. Once, a fear pierced him in that he mistook the shadow of his equipage for blackbirds. Wallace Stevens, 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird Once upon a time in Transylvania, says the manuscript, old and frayed, which my grandmother Harker had kept by lock and key. A small assemblage of five men and one woman chased some thing, some vestige of elder days as far as forgotten Wallachia. And there, on a winter's night, as death-pale snow fell faintly and far wolves howled, exterminated their quarry with fatal slash of both kukri knife and bowie knife. These sallow, collected journals rest now beside me on the leather seat, and with them the illicit translation of an obscene book, one spirited away through Sub Rosa arrangement from the University Library in Arkham. The cross-consultation sheds light on that to which man, when mortal and miserable, might rather remain blind. It is November now, snow as deathly as, I'm sure, on that faded yesterday as I ride over Connecticut from New Haven toward Killingly in this Bantam Model 60 coupe. The driver, Sagani, and I have not spoken for some hours. There's only the insatiable, ineffable barrage of downy snow as evening's raven wings overarch the black horizon. There's only this, and my mind as it rests upon the volumes that ride beside me, rests upon the precipice, if you'll suffer, reader this dramatic turn of phrase of madness. You see the trace of the paver's work in my hand at present, but I must set down this scrap, perhaps as a final addendum to a collection of documents from my grandmother Harker's safe. Because, you see, unknown reader, tonight might mark my final passage of this much-past roadway home. This retreat... One cannot help but draw parallels to the Romanian's final retreat in the manuscript. It is what one gets for crossing certain interests. On the other side of the aisle, 
I suspected as much, I suppose. Yet the realist in me resisted belief in the penny-paper intrigues that allying my campaign with the king of the oil men. I would soon find myself fleeing the city in this modernist carriage of glass and gasoline and steel. Yes, the parallel to the narrative in the journals is an inescapable and ill-portent. If I were as superstitious as the dark man in this car with me, still, the senator's goons wouldn't dare follow me to the family home. Their care is that I'm out of the city. It is not, however, my own mortality's shadow, principally, that chases me. Rather, the mortality of a world. The guilt lies with those blasphemous books. For at first, when I learned of the ignoble afterlife of that noble Romanian count, I tasted only horror at the anticlimax of his quick dispatch at the blade of his hunter's knives. I wondered at the lack of trap or twist, or even least resistance, from that powerful and ancient intellect, now supposedly rendered even more dangerous, with supernormal powers of strength, invulnerability, and shape-shifting into the forms of beasts. Oh, the irony that he who repelled the Turks from Europe's door could not outwit a hodgepodge band of men from a decadent and fallen age. This count, who had held literate discourse with Grandfather Harker in his castle and showed the very gristle of his ample mental apparatus, that he should perish on the run and so easily outsmarted, no cunning trap or feint, no battle, no transformation into wolf to fight or bat to flee. I felt disgust, reader, for the dishonor of a dare I say, a monster. Also, in that other tome which slumbers now on the seat, insensible as toward the modernized world that speeds around it, did I learn of something of the so-called vampire disease, which that generation never had any opportunity to learn, blessed them. Hard enough was it for their quintessentially pedestrian Victorian minds to encompass solely that a man might sleep and rise undead from the tomb, could they have fathomed in that generation the true and star-born genealogy of that condition, snaking right through human history into the hazy yawn of a place far beyond and long undreamed. No octochthonous endemic this, Count Dracula's curse, but the dread pre-human record so clumsily translated by naive human hands that rides in my seat tells of its fall from the heavens in a day when man and Simeon were hardly different beasts. This thing that came down is not like the biology known to us, needless to say. It is more than one Romanian aristocrat, more than any one man or woman. It is an organism of organisms. The things most alike to it known in our science are an aspen grove, a colony of ants, a flock of blackbirds in migration when, in moments of remarkable aerial display, the whole flock seems to swoop and dance like a single organism, almost preternaturally. This superorganism, which the ancients knew as the dread Bram Caligular, is an organism of organisms, one that consumes animal life and appropriates what flesh it consumes as its own new flesh, and What's more, 
Everywhere in the cosmos it finds its way. It collects unto itself what may be considered the best examples of animate life. The brave, the strong, the intelligent, the noble. Therefore, it is no great surprise that among men it prized that peerless Romanian prince who repelled the Turks as its especial harbinger. Such was my first reaction to this wisdom unwisely attained, that I, suspecting that I, through my grandmother, still might have some linkage to this entity, sought out the services of a mesmerist to hypnotize me. My aim, I'll understand my reader, was that I might touch all that dead virtue it had assembled in its great and cosmic menagerie. From the Count to the Caesars, and as far antique as those brave defenders of fallen Olathoe, that I might but resurrect one jot and tittle of that virtue upon those petty, beggarly powers, worldly powers, who would frustrate progress of both myself and that king of black gold, whom we might, with some irony, call a vampire of geology, and who has given me the blood baptism of his service. What I learned instead is unspeakable, but I learned that what's dead is dead, and the whole collection lay dead, living and whole yet dead in the particular, truly undead. I know that I saw it, and I know that the eye with which I saw it was also the eye with which it saw me. And now that I know, truly, what it means to be undead. My God! The flesh is senseless, and the likeness but a shadow. A moment ago, as we passed the witless glare of some electric street lamps, the fine hairs of my neck rose as, against the snow, I saw a congregation as of blackbirds swooping, descending upon my cab. Yet, as my hands found my face, the shadow crystallized, and I recognized the shape of the luggage tied down overhead. Instead, looking out now, I see the headlamps coming, the familiar headlamps of Senator Abe Halsing's goons, coming through the incessant snow that falls faintly, faintly and equally, upon both the living and the dead. Puggles is trying so hard to keep Patrick from remembering his past. I mean, extruding us from reality into a margin universe composed entirely of people's toes is an extreme measure. Shh, Matt. I've read in the ancient Toe Index Codex of Sage Digitarius of the Toe Jackals 
and I fear this is their haunt. We do not want to meet the Toe-Jackals. I mean, Puggles has really been acting out lately. Am I... Am I a bad pig dad? They smell your fear, and then your feet. I just don't understand what he'd be hiding from me. I'd like to think we'd have an open, honest relationship at this point. The Lint Moon is rising over Planet Toe. We must hurry and finish gathering the fruit of the nail fungus trees before nightfall. Who is Cassiopeia? Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. These, these toe birds, they are carrion feeders mad. They might swoop to protect their nests, but only the dead need fear them. I just... I just really feel like I've failed as a parent, Brett. I mean, tell me I've been a good pig dad. I've had a revelation, Matt. I think I know the secret verse connecting this realm to Puggles' ethereal umbilicus. As I say the words, wiggle your toes and we'll hide our way home. What? This little piggy went to Mercury. This little piggy hide home. This little piggy ate Atlantis. This little piggy had nuns. And this little piggy cried Argolath Nebata tune all the way home. Are you wiggling them? Wiggle them! For the love of all that's holy! Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warpbox Media. Today's story was Blackbirds by me, Brett Norwood. Blackbirds originally appeared on Once Upon a Time in Transylvania by Octoberpod VHS. Good day, Monsterbaiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn, first, you might check out our other vampire-heavy episode, MP33, the Vampire Story Special, including two of my personal favorites, The House on Sumner and Matt's Edith of My Flesh. Secondly, please make sure you're subscribed and consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This all helps us out a great deal, and we appreciate the support of our Monsterbaiters. Don't forget to get in on the newsletter at our website, monsterpornpodcast.com, and follow us on social media. That's it, until the shark angels come. In the day the finger-headed giants shall walk the earth, stay weird, and Godspeed, strange cowboy. <laughs> <laughs>